Let's give a hand clap of praise unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Before you, you, you sit down, I, I love my bishop, and uh, we're bypassing everything, but thank you, and we honor you, bishop. For time's sake, y'all may be seated. Um, or just for whatever reason, you can sit down. But for time's sake, I'm going to get started. I'm just going to put an alarm. Because you know doctors are always late. Y'all don't all say amen. <laughs> Calm down. But it's true. I tell patients that... Uh, the best appointment is the first one of the day. After that, <laughs> that's what they do in some churches. Uh, the sign of the cross. Uh, after that, hey, good luck. And that was even before I used to deliver babies. I mean, geez. Anyways, let's get spiritual. Um, I should just leave the mic here and tell you guys to listen to Brother Plemons' message one more time. Uh, he, every minister preached a, an outstanding message and uh, battled, uh, in my mind, uh, if this was the right thing, and I hit my wife, why well, not like that. <laughs> Let's clarify for the media. <laughs> I elbowed my wife and I said, he got my message, I, I did, as if it was my own, but uh, he did read a scripture that I want to to go to, and it's Mark 8, 36, and then you don't have to turn there, but if you want to, you can, and then Matthew 7, 21 through 23, and then I'll finish off with a, a little story in, in Luke. Like I said, I'll be very quick. Um, I'm still in my mind battling, you know, several thoughts, but um, one thing I did realize when I printed my notes, I'm like, they must know I'm over 40 because, man, it was like big font. Uh, so I can read it. Mark 8.36 says as such, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And Matthew 7.21 through 23 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we, have we not prophesied in thy name and, have not, and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The, the word prophet in the first verse um, or gain King James Version says, "Prophet, what for what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world, lose his soul? Um, what shall it accomplish?" And I believe Reverend Plemons used the word value. Of what value is it to you? And if I can give this a title, my the title of this little sermonette was, "I don't want to be a success. I want to be valuable. I don't want to be a success. I want to be valuable." And the word profit there also means to acquire, to win over. The word lose there, though, means suffer loss, suffer damage, forfeit. 
of what value is it? What does it accomplish? What is it? It is gaining the whole world. Of what value is gaining the whole world only to lose my soul? What does this accomplish? There is no value in worldly success at the expense of losing your soul. And we can all see that when we talk about the world. My desire is to be valuable to the kingdom of God. Valuable to my bishop. I want to be valuable to my family. I want to be valuable to my church. I want to be valuable to my ministry. So what does it mean to be valuable? Being valuable need not to be confused with success. Being successful according to the world is making money, making sales, having possessions, notoriety, etc. Now, I hate to quote other people other than in the Word of God, but one smart man once said, his name was Albert Einstein. It is not a Father's Day message, but he says man in there, so we're going to use it. He says, try not to become a man of success, but rather to become a man of value. I don't know if he read his word <laughs> after doing the theory of relativity and whatever other theories he figured out. We know he didn't comb his hair. <laughs> so at least in, in regards to hairdress, he wasn't as successful. But he goes on to say he is considered successful. He's talking about a man is considered successful in our day, one who gets more out of life than he puts in, but a man of value will give more than he receives. And now that's, that's, a, that's a good, it's a good worldly example of what value is. And he kind of had an idea, and I'm like, God, I, need, I mean, this is, this is the scriptural principle we can use. So what can, being, what can being successful look like in ministry? And I'm going to use the term religious Christianity. Success in the Christian perspective may look like this. It may look like a platform. Uh, success in, in Christianity may look like a ministry. That's success. It may look like a gifting. Success may look like your name is called oftentimes. Success even might look like coming to church, attendance to church. How many numbers were baptized? How many people received the Holy Ghost? How much money is collected? In the grand scheme of things, that sometimes is viewed as success in the church world. Or on a smaller scale, out of the public eye view, success can be, did I read my Bible? Did I pray? Did I give to the poor? Did I smile at everybody I saw? Did I not get mad at all the other people on the road? When we talk about success in the church, we sometimes try to quantify a move of God and, or validate a ministry by looking through a worldly perspective of success. And we, in turn, develop an incorrect view of the kingdom of God. We people are, are coming to the house of God. I, I, or we're seeing that people are coming to the house of God, and we say, therefore, I must be doing something right. And then, or I'm being used in ministry, and Pastor Plemons or Reverend Plemons, or maybe I'm prophesying what he is, uh, Pastor Plemons, he, he mentioned this. I'm, I'm used in ministry, therefore, I must be doing something right. My name gets called, therefore, I must be doing something right. That's success through the worldly I view, or maybe I'm laying my hands on people, so I therefore must be doing something right, or I'm being part of this ministry, or I'm doing that thing, so I must be doing something right. 
But Matthew 7, 21 and 23, as I first read, is not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But it says, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Because many are going to say to me on that day, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out devils in your name. In thy name we've done many wondrous works. That's success. But why didn't they make it to the kingdom of God? I don't want to sacrifice my value to the Lord at the altar of success. What separates the valuable from the successful is one simple phrase. He that doeth the will of my Father. So then this begs the question, am I doing the will of my Father? I'm going to direct you all very quickly to Luke 8, 40 through 56, and I'll finish off here, and I'll be real quick because we got to give the policeman and the ambassador enough time. Verse 40 through 43 says, and it came to pass, and we know this set of scriptures real well. This one has been stuck on my mind for months. That when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He was in ministry. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. 42 says, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And, and then a woman, having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all their living. But for 12 years, there's been somebody else suffering every single day without a cure, without an answer. Now, if you look at the number 12, it says that it represents the completion of God's purpose. And, and you can try to say, well, there's 12 disciples, there's 12 months in the year, there's 12 tribes of Israel, and I don't really know. But Luke was a doctor, and so he decided to put details in there. <laughs> Sometimes they're important. <laughs> 12 years ago, two families, two sets of lives were affected. Two families' lives were set into motion. On one hand, a birth of a child. On the other hand, an incurable diagnosis. On one hand, tears of joy. On the other hand, tears of sorrow, tears of shame. And on one hand, prosperity and hope. Look at my child. What will she be someday? And on one hand, depression and despair. And on one hand, elation, new life. And on the other hand, the strain of living with a problem that was so shameful to share. But on this day, the playing field was made level. Both situations were united in a singular purpose. It didn't matter what happened for the last 11 years and 364 days. Today was a different day for both. And some might say shockingly or ironically, the answer to both of those situations would come from the same place. But it wasn't ironic and it wasn't shocking. 
This was not just happenstance. It was divine order, the completion of God's purpose. But both were in need of a healer. And both were in need of a savior. Both were in need of an answer. And even though maybe one had been looking for 12 years and the other looking for one day, both were in need of their physician today. And you can look at scripture and say, well, why is that important? And I can tell you this much. I don't know what people are going through, but today is the day of salvation. I don't know what you're struggling with, but today you can get your answer. And I've never been so nervous before. It's interesting, very quickly, both of these two situations were bound by law. One lady had a problem, an issue of blood, and she was sick. The other situation dealt with somebody who was near death. You can look at Leviticus and see what a woman with an issue of blood would have issues with. Everybody. Everything she touched would be unclean. Everywhere she went would be unclean. She had something that she was not willing to share. This is so private. This is so shameful. How can I get my answer? She was bound by a lot. And and that's just if there was a few days for her problem. This is 12 years of hiding. This is 12 years of don't touch me. This is 12 years of I can't hang out with you. It was so shameful for her to keep this to herself. Can't read my notes through the tears. <laughs> I don't know what happened that day. I don't know what made the lady say, Today is the day I'm going to go. I'm going to find this Jesus. But if it wasn't for the lady making an effort, If she would have stayed in her home that day, the healing would have never happened. But she got up that day and she said, you know what, I'm going to, with all this shame and with all this guilt, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to step somewhere into the place where Jesus is at. If only I can just touch the hem of his robe See, I I don't know what happened at Jairus' house. I don't know if his wife told him, hey, you know what? We need an answer. You better go find one. And if it wasn't for him putting on his sandals, because that's what they wore, and hitching on his camel, if he would not have put one foot in front of the other, his daughter would not have been ill that day. 
And it says faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. I am so sure that this Jairus in the synagogue must have heard of a Jesus that can heal, that can take sins away. And, and I'm sure this lady, could, she must have known of a Jesus that could take her problems away. And as we learn through Brother Brent what faith really is, and I have it up there and I don't remember it, but read his notes. Sounds really good when he says it. If it wasn't for their obedience, the problems that they were dealing with would have never been answered. I'm going to go back to value. The most valuable thing for that lady that day was realizing that her answers can only come through the one Savior. The most valuable thing she could have done that day was say, today is the day I'm going to get my healing. The most valuable thing that Jairus could have done that day was to go get Jesus and take it to his home. I need to get that master because I need an answer. And I'm not just talking to men, but the most valuable thing we can do, men, is we can get Jesus in our homes. In fact, we need to get Jesus in our job. The most valuable thing you can do for the kingdom is take Jesus to the byways, to the highways. He's the only answer. And it starts off with one step in front of the other. The most valuable thing you did today was decide today I'm going to go to church. As as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the most valuable thing you could do. And as Jairus brought Jesus into his home and there was healing that was there, the lady brought Jesus into her life. If you look at the rest of the story, you see automatic, immediate healing. But the most valuable thing they could have done is point their problem and their situation to Jesus. Yeah, I'm tired of just success. I don't want numbers. I don't want to just go to Paraguay. I need to be in his will. I need to be doing what he wants me to do. And I got to point every single person right to Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give a hand clap of praise to the Lord as Brother Means comes.